0: It is good to be back with you. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is JR, and I'm the teaching pastor here at Catalyst, and I am so glad that you came out to join us on this Valentine's evening, uh, Ash Valentine's Day, I guess it is, since this is the first time in 45 years that Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day have fallen on the same uh, day. So thank you for being here with us, uh, but uh, I'm gonna, we're gonna begin tonight by talking about how we all have possibly made a huge mistake by coming here, so get off to a good start. I want to open with a story by a psychiatrist named Dr. Leonard Sachs. Uh, In his book, Girls on the Edge, he shares a story about a mom who brought her daughter to see him. He's a child psychologist, has over 30 years of experience, and this mom brought her daughter to see Dr. Sachs uh, because she thought uh, she was pretty sure her daughter had ADHD. And Dr. Sachs is one of those doctors who understands that ADHD is a legitimate medical disorder, but he also believes it's been pretty heavily mis- uh, misdiagnosed and over-medicated, so he's always very uh, hesitant to just diagnose it and you know write a prescription for Ritalin and, and move on. Uh, instead, he began asking the mother what the symptoms were that the girl was exhibiting that made her so sure that the girl had ADHD, and as the mother began to list all of the symptoms, he recognized that they were all also symptoms of sleep deprivation. So he mentioned this to the mother. He said, I I think it's possible your your daughter might just be sleep deprived. And the the, the mom said, no, 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 no. bedtime is 9 o'clock sharp every night. And he looked at the the daughter, and the daughter confirmed, like, yes, that's true. I go to bed at 9 every night. And being, you know, a pretty wise guy, uh, not his first time around the block, right? He said, okay, so you go to bed at 9. Uh, What time do you go to sleep? And the daughter sheepishly kind of looked to the side. She said, well, more like around 1.00. The mother was horrified, and he, you know, calm down. What are you doing from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m.? She said, well, this is, this is a several years ago, back when the kids were still on the Facebook. And so she said, well, I'm on Facebook. And again, the mother mortified, and he says, hold on, let's get to the bottom of this before we just react, right? And so he said, what are you, know, what are you doing on Facebook? Like, walk me through What's going on? She said, well, you don't understand. Like, in order to maintain my friend circle, I have to post my pictures from the day. I have to comment on all my friends' pictures, make sure I've liked the appropriate number of them. Uh, and it was a real, I mean, it's a real thing. If you haven't studied teens in social media, you know that if they don't participate in those things with their friends, it's, it's you know, they can end up getting ostracized from their friend circles. And so the, the you know, Dr. Sachs and the mother of this girl, and they were all talking, and, and, and the girl said, Mom, you don't understand. It's just like when you were a girl, you kept a journal. Well, this is like my journal. This is my way I record my memories and reflect on what my experience is and, you know, and, and, and record all of that. And both Dr. Sachs and the mom kind of considered that, and they thought, you know, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe she has a good point. So they kind of worked on some, uh, some strategies for maybe limiting it and being a little healthier and making sure she got some more sleep. Um, but over the, over the month between the net, that session and the next one, something kept bothering Dr. Sachs about this this insistence that the girl had that this was just like journaling. And it finally clicked for him. That if a little girl kept a diary, it always had what on the front of it? Had a lock, right? And the point of that lock was to keep the diary sealed from everyone, even the parents, right? That even the parents could not invade the girl's diary. It was this entirely private space where the girl could write and kind of journal her thoughts, and she could be whoever she wanted to be in that space that was totally free of judgment, totally free of condemnation, because no one was ever going to see it, except, you know, her older self, who would then probably look back and say how silly she was when she was younger, right? But that, that's okay. At the time, it was this completely judgment-free zone. And he said that's what was missing when you take all of that space and make it social, is that social is never private. Social is never free of judgment. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Everything that this girl was putting on Facebook was carefully crafted to meet the approval of other people, to gain likes and comments. So instead of having this entirely private personal space where she could kind of figure out who she was, where she could go through the growing pains that we all have to go through as we grow up, as we get older, uh, all of that was dragged into the public light, and it was toxic. It was toxic. We, I mean, again, we all know how that can be toxic, right? We've all experienced that. Because it's not just teenagers that struggle with this desire to perform and this, this desire to be seen in a certain way in public light. I think that's, an, that's a struggle that we all have to one degree or another. We're all dependent on the opinions of other people to some degree. Maybe especially in church, because in church, uh, there's, this, um, there's this impulse that we have to perform, to, be, uh, to, to give the appearance of being holy, to make it look like we are righteous or meeting whatever kind of standard our community has set up. And particular, particularly during Lent, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight, there are all these practices that we have that we do together in public. And if we're not really careful... We can end up sort of performing for everyone else. And we can end up doing these practices essentially so that we look holy. And that becomes a problem because when we are performing, we're not actually being transformed. We're not actually experiencing the meaning and the fruit of the season of Lent. So, as we're beginning tonight, I want to invite you into this space and invite you to let down your defenses. And as much as possible in a room full of people, uh, be welcomed into this zone that is free of judgment, that is free of condemnation, and that is a place for you to connect with God and to begin the process of transformation and becoming the person that God is calling you to be. Man, it's Ash Wednesday, which is like a real like downer day, you know, it's supposed to be where we talk about our mortality and our sinfulness and all of that, and we're going to do that, but... Uh, I just, I love Ash Wednesday, and I've been excited all day, partly just, again, to be back with you uh, after my month away, but also because, I posted about this earlier on Facebook, so sorry if you read it earlier, and I'm going to just repeat myself, but uh, this is the beginning of the season of Lent, and Lent is a season where we, we try to slow down from the, the normal blur and craziness of our lives, and we try to take a deep breath and fill our lives with some practices that help us to stop and acknowledge God in our midst, and stop and acknowledge uh, what God wants to do in our lives. So uh, one of my friends earlier observed, used the metaphor, of like, it's like spring cleaning, right? It's like our lives just become so full of gunk when we're just constantly on the go and constantly doing the next thing uh, that it, there just come times when we need to stop and set aside some time to just, go through everything, find the stuff that needs to go, get rid of it, put other stuff that got out of place back in the place where it's supposed to be, and just get back on track. And when we do that, there's a feeling of just like looseness and freedom and excitement for what's coming next, and that's what Lent affords us. It affords us the opportunity to do a spring cleaning of our spirits, to slow down and to look and find out what's in there that needs to go, and what's maybe out of place that needs to get back in the right place, and just Just get ready for what God has for us next. That's why Lent comes between the seasons of Epiphany and Easter. Because in Epiphany, we celebrate that God has been revealed to the world. And any time God is revealed, uh, there's also an invitation that follows to, to come and join in what God is doing. And so Lent is, Lent is the way we answer God's call. And we're going to be talking more about this on Sunday, uh, how we enter into this season of preparing and making sure that we're ready to go on this journey with God. You know, because it's, it's not always wise to set off on a process of life change and life transformation uh, without some preparation in mind. And so Lent is our chance to do that. Ash Wednesday is where that all begins, and I think that's, that's part of why I'm so excited tonight. Uh, there, are some, there are some main practices that for 2,000 years the church have, have used uh, to kind of to prepare ourselves to do that, that spring cleaning of our spirits. Uh, prayer is one of the big ones, and prayer, we, we silence ourselves and listen for God. I think one of the things I've been learning about prayer uh, lately in the past few years is that growing up I always learned that prayer was about talking so I had all these different little acrostics that was like uh, admit, believe, confess or um, like you know Jesus, others, yourself like all this kind of stuff where like these things that we were told like pray in these ways and it was always about how, all the things that I said right and so it was almost like uh, almost like I was like giving a report to God so I'd like say dear God and here's all the stuff to say in Jesus name Amen you know and what, I, what I've learned much more lately is that prayer is, prayer is about listening. It's about being silent before God and, and allowing God to speak to us and to move in us. And, and so that's one of the reasons we do prayer of examine here at Catalyst quite a lot is because it, it teaches us to be silent and to listen for God to speak to us. That doesn't mean we don't pray uh, for people who are hurting. It doesn't mean we don't pray for what's going on in the world. Of course, we do those things as well. Uh, but when, when prayer is one-sided, we're missing out, and Lent is a reminder that prayer is as much about listening to God as it is about anything else. Uh, giving is another one of the, the practices in Lent that we pay special attention to. Uh, when we intentionally give of ourselves, give in ways that cost us, it reminds us that we are not our things. Uh, that, that That too often, the things are the things, are the. Our, our stuff, our material possessions are the, are the things in our spirits that can get out of place. We can start to put way too much emphasis on them. We can start to build security and assurance on them. And by giving, we remember that those things do not define us, that those things do not ultimately fulfill us. And so giving helps us to put those things back in their proper place. So during Lent, there's often a, a serious emphasis on the practice of giving, on the acts of generosity. And then probably the one you're most familiar with is the fast, the Lenten fast, right? We, we choose to go without something for 40 days, uh, not because we're trying to quit it, uh, but because we, again, are remembering that these are not the things that make us who we are. And that by sacrificing something small, we are entering in some way into Jesus' sacrifice and that, that prepares us for Easter, so this praying, giving, fasting, these are these practices. And during Lent, we do them all together. Uh, that's what we're doing here together tonight. We're talking about these things, we're celebrating them, we're going to be praying during Lent, we're going to be giving during Lent, we're going to be doing Lent and fast, if that's a way you choose to participate. And uh, so here's where that gets maybe a little sticky, because Jesus specifically says not to call attention to, to those things, like I just called attention to them. I want to read with you in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, uh, this is in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, Right? So he says, Jesus says, Watch out! Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing your trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have already received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. So that's giving. Don't do it in public, do it in private. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Stop me if you notice a theme. Who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. And then if you skip down a little bit, Jesus doesn't leave out fasting. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they will try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. And then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows What you do in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus knows what we all know is that we can do these things. We can give, we can pray, we can fast. We can do them in such a way that it calls attention to how holy we are. We do them to look religious or to look spiritual. We might post on social media about how hard our Lenten fast is this year because I gave up caffeine and, ooh, got a headache today, right? And you might have a headache, right? But there's a way of doing these things that, that, that ends up making us just look more spiritual, and it becomes the reason that we do these things. We're, we're, we're acting a part, which uh, actually the word hypocrite comes from the Greek word actor. It was someone that had two faces, right? If we're not careful, the way we do these behaviors becomes about the performance that we're putting on for the world around us. It becomes more about being seen doing the thing than the interior transformation that the thing is meant to accomplish. Uh, uh, Several weeks ago in a sermon, I I shared uh, uh, from a thinker and a a spiritual mentor named Thomas Merton. He's a Catholic priest. And uh, he talked in one of his uh, classic books on spiritual formation about the shadow self, the self that we all have. We kind of create them when we're kids as a way to kind of keep ourselves safe from the world, to protect ourselves from the world. And the shadow self is the, is the one that, that is seeking all of this acclaim and attention. Uh, The shadow self is the one who loves to perform. And the shadow self is the one that we face down during the Lenten season. When we engage in these practices, it's the shadow self that pops up and tries to defend itself because it doesn't want to be seen in the light of truth. It doesn't want to to face that it's not necessary. Um, So when the shadow self does a lot of these kinds of religious things, some of them, some, some of our shadow selves, what they're mainly interested in is acclaim. They want the attention and the admiration of other people. And if you think that's stupid, I'm sorry, that's me. Like, that's, that's why I, I, that's my, like, sort of dark shadow self. Loves attention, loves acclaim, loves to be thought well of by other people, right? And so it's, it's very tempting for me to be that person, you know, shouting from the street corners my acts of religion, right? Some of our shadow selves, they're not so much interested in acclaim, they're interested in doing these things because it makes us feel safe and secure. Like, as long as I, you know, as long as I do a Lenten fast, it'll make me extra holy, And then God will love me enough that I don't have to worry about my salvation. I have have some friends who are constantly doubting whether they have done enough good for God. That's that shadow self that's interested in security and in safety. And they're wondering, how many times a day do I have to pray during Lent to be holy? How much do I need to give? Just tell me a number, and I'll do it, and then I'll feel like I made it right? They want security. They want safety. And then there are others that they don't want to claim and they don't want safety or security. What they really want is control. They want to be in power. They don't want to feel weak. They don't want to feel exposed. And they know that if they can do these things, they're the kind of the checklist people, right? As long as I can check all those boxes, then I'm in control of my spirituality, right? I'm in control of whether I'm in or out, whether I'm loved or not. They want to be in control. They don't like feeling weak and vulnerable. And so their shadow self acts out and does these things to keep them from having to feel weak or vulnerable. We all have these different motivations. And all of them end up looking the same. We end up doing these acts of piety, these good things, giving, praying, fasting, in order to protect ourselves, in order to feel better about ourselves, in order to feel better about our faith. Jesus says, though, if that's what you want, if it's like a claim or if it's the sense of security or if it's the sense of control, like whatever, but that's all you're going to get out of it. That's what he said. They, they already had their reward when, when people saw them in the street and said, wow, look at those holy guys. That's it. That's, that's, the, that's the end of what you get out of performative base acts of piety. Because performing doesn't actually transform us at a deep level. So here's what Jesus says a uh, little further on in Matthew. He says, don't store up treasure here on earth, which he just talked about, right? Doing all of these things so we get earthly attention and earthly rewards. He said, don't do that. Because here, moth eat them and rust destroy them where thieves break in and steal them. Any acclaim, anything you build up here on earth, it's temporary. It's temporary. It's not going to last. It's not going to be forever. It doesn't transform you into the kind of a person who will enjoy eternity. Jesus says, instead, store up your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So what Jesus says, look, if you're going to give, great, give, but like, don't call attention to it. right? In fact, try to keep it secret from your own hand, which is a little bit of hyperbole. right? So if you're going to pray, great. You should pray. Just like do it in a closet where no one's going to see you. If you're going to fast, great. Big fan of fasting. But, you know, comb your hair, wash your face, look presentable as you go out. Don't be like, oh, my fast is so hard. Which I'm guilty of. I've done that, right? Hon- honest. I'm not a claim person. Jesus is interested in us being a transformed people. And he says, these acts of piety, they are good things to do, good things to do. But very easily, our shadow selves can get a hold of them and twist them into something that they're not. And once our shadow selves have a hold of them, they've lost their advantage. There is nothing inherently beautiful about saying, you know, God is great, God is good, let us sing for our food, amen. That's not a magic spell that makes your food taste better and makes it have half the calories. It doesn't work that way right? There's nothing magical that happens when you fast. It's not, it's, it, we don't, I'm sorry, we don't live in Harry Potter, right? I know I just crushed some of your dreams, but it doesn't work that way. These things work because they open us up to the transforming, healing work of God in our lives. They help us to slow down and discern God's voice calling us, changing us, making us new, preparing us to do the good works that God has prepared for us to do. That's why they work. And so this, this season of Lent, our sermon series is called The Devil in the Details, because we're, we're going to be in the gospel text. We're mainly in the gospel of Mark, we'll also be in the gospel of John. And in a lot of these texts, the devil shows up. And so we thought, well, let's just roll with it, and let's see what happens. And, and what we found as we were working through these texts and preparing for the series is that again and again and again, uh, the things that uh, are being called attention to in these, in these texts are just like those acts of piety. They're not bad things. They're good things that can get out of place in our lives real quickly, especially when our lives are just a constant blur of motion and activity. When we don't slow down, when we don't stop to say, what is God asking me to do here? What is God asking me to do next? Where does this good thing belong in the order of my life? When we don't stop to do those things, then our lives get out of order, and we can't see how cluttered they've become. We can't see that God cannot move in our lives because of what we filled our lives up with. And so during this series, we're going to be asking, how do we slow down? How do we use these acts of piety, like prayer and giving and fasting, to attend to what God wants to do in our lives? How do we spot the things that need to go? How do we reorder the things that have gotten a little messy? And how do we find what we need to seek out and maybe even add that's missing? Unless we slow down. Unless we attend to our inner spirits. And as we prayerfully consider. What's next? So, during Lent, we are going to be praying together as a church. But that does not mean you should not be praying privately. We're going to be giving together as a church, but that does not mean you should not be giving in private. And we're going to be fasting together as a church, but that does not mean you should not be doing your own kind of a fast. You, know, you just don't have to call attention to it. In our spiritual practices guide that we have you know, out there on the pegboard that we hand out sometimes, there's a wonderful guide for a prayer of examining there that teaches you how, if you don't know how to sit with God and listen, it teaches you kind of how to walk through that. Same thing we do you know, on mornings in here together. We've made giving anonymously, very easy here at Catalyst. We don't pass buckets or plates or KFC buckets or anything like that around, right? We have the giving app, we have the stuff in the back. We try to make it as anonymous as possible because we don't want it to be about feeling pressured to give or putting on some kind of a show or something like that. We want it to be something that you're free to do privately, in secret, the way Christ commands us to, right? And then for the fast, I know some of you have not done a Lenten fast before, so I just kind of want to walk you through the the ins and outs of it, the do's and don'ts. the idea of a Lenten fast is that we're participating uh, with Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, which we're going to talk about on Sunday. It's Boy Scout Sunday. We're going to do some camping stuff. This will be it's going to be wilderness themed. It's going to be very fun. But we, we choose to give up something, and this is, th- I, ha- I have to make this qualification every time. This is not a, I really need to quit cussing, so I'm going to give up cussing for Lent. That's not, that is not what the Lenten fast is. If you feel like you need to give up cussing, just you know just do it. Don't wait for Lent. Um, Lent. <laughs> You choose to give up something at Lent that is a meaningful sacrifice to you, something that you love, something that, that brings joy to your life, because it's a sacrifice that way, right? It's something that you're intended to miss, because that absence, that longing creates some space for you to redirect that desire towards God, for you to prayerfully consider uh, how uh, this, is, this is a thing that, though it brings joy, is not the thing that sustains your life. And, and then at the end of Lent, on Easter Sunday, when it, you take it back up and you celebrate it, and it's meant to be a joy to take it back up and to, to celebrate the joy of Christ's resurrection with being able to bring this thing back into your life, whether that's coffee or soda or Facebook or what, whatever it is you choose, <laughs> choose to give up. Historically, Christians fasted for meat during Lent, things like that, whatever. It, it can, again, I, I, there's not like a, it's not a rule book. It's just Something to spend some time thinking and praying over. So uh, if you haven't, if you've never done a Lenten fast, you got to try it. It's incredibly cool. Um, it, it's, it's, it's become one of my favorite practices in the church year. Uh, uh, something that I've, I've come to find very meaningful. Uh, because, again, it just helps me to slow down and focus on what God is doing in my life and in my spirit. Uh, it is not a... Look, okay. If you don't pray or give or fast throughout the whole season of Lent, you'll always still be welcome here at Catalyst, right? We do not make these things obligations to be a part of our community. But I can promise you that if you do not slow down and if you do not attend to the voice of God, you're going to miss what God is doing in your life. That's just how it works. That's what Jesus tells us again and again and again. We have to make space to listen for the voice of God. And so I want to offer you these practices, these historic traditional practices of the church as opportunities for you to slow down during this Lenten season and to ask what God might have for you. And so we're going to begin our journey of Lent here at the communion table with Ash Wednesday. We call it Ash Wednesday because uh, we begin by contemplating our mortality the fact that the consequences of sin in our life is death, and our only hope is Jesus, who is the end goal of our Lenten journey. Uh, traditionally, we do Ash Wednesday like real early in the morning, like first thing, and you get a, a cross in the shape of ashes on your forehead. Uh, since we do it in the evening here at Catalyst, and we thought it would be like a little sad to... You know, get a cross on your head and then go home and wash it off for bed. Uh, we've made these cards. This again, if you've been with us, you know this, right? But we have these cards, and uh, when you come forward to receive communion, I'll, I'll make a little cross in the ashes on your card uh, for you. To, and you can you can keep this with you. It'll be a little oily because the ashes are actually made from the. The palm fronds that we waved last Palm Sunday, that's, you're, you save them all year and then you burn them for the ashes and you mix it with olive oil, so it'll be like a little oily, right? So you might not want to use it as a bookmark or something like that, but you can hang it from something or again, whatever you want to do with it as a way to keep this Lenten season in front of you, visible to you. Uh, and so I want to invite you to the communion table as a way of beginning this season of Lent, focus on Christ Himself. Because when we come to the communion table, we join in the meal that Jesus shared with his followers the night before he was killed. At that meal he broke bread and gave it to them. He said, this is my body, it's broken for you. Take this and eat it. Later in the meal he passed a cup of wine, he said, this is my blood, it's poured out for the forgiveness of sin, drink it. So we receive these wafers and dip them in the grape juice as a way of participating in that meal with Jesus and his followers. As you come forward tonight to participate in the communion meal, you're committing to walk with Jesus to the cross, which is that is the entire Lenten journey. Debbie talked about the mountaintop on Sunday, right? And what happens after the mountaintop is Jesus, if you read the gospel of Mark, you'll see it. We'll we'll walk there together. Jesus kind of walks down off the mountaintop and he doesn't quit walking down, 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 down until he hits the cross. Once he leaves the mountain, he's going directly for Jerusalem and for his death. And so by engaging in Lent together, we too are journeying with Jesus to the cross, attending to his voice, saying, if anyone would be my disciple, he must pick up his cross and follow me. That's what we're doing. We're following him to this communion table. We're following him into the season of Lent, committing to these practices of prayer and giving and fasting that we might be made one with God through Christ's death. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us about a minute of silence. We're not going to do an exam or anything. I'm just going to give you a minute of silence, some space to reflect on how you are going to be in this Lenten. Some of you have already been reflecting on this, and that's okay. Just use this time for some, to, to listen for God. Uh, some of you, again, maybe you didn't even know what a Lenten fast was before you came in. I'm just, I wanted to give you just a little bit of space to prayerfully reflect on what Lent is going to look, for, look like for you this next six weeks. It starts on Valentine's this Day this year. It ends on April Fool's Day. If that gives you an idea of the calendar. That's when Easter is this year. I didn't make it up. That's just what's happening, okay? So that's your, that's your basically, for the last couple weeks of February and the first, and, and all of March. That's, that's the Lenten season. What is God going to be calling you to? So after, after that time of silence together, uh, then I'll pray for us, and you're welcome to come forward. If, uh, what we're going to do this time, a little bit different than usual, if everyone will come this way, and come up and receive the wafers and dip them in the juice and then come across. I'll I'll give you the ashes over here. That'll that'll just make it a lot, a lot easier for everyone. Okay, sorry everyone on this side. Maybe next year we'll switch it up. We'll see. Uh, so uh, I'm going to give you about a minute of silence to reflect. Ask what your Lenten season looks like, and then I'll pray for us. And then you're welcome to come forward. Let's pray together. God, you have brought us together as your people tonight and brought us before your communion table to begin this journey of Lent. What a privilege it is to be gathered as your people, to be filled with your spirit, to be called in such a way that you make us new, that you speak life into us, that you breathe your spirit into us. We confess that we live hurried, harried lives that make it difficult to engage, that make it difficult to, uh, to hear your voice. And so we need this season of Lent, this time to slow down, to remember that we are your people and that we live only by your word and by your breath. As we engage in these practices of the Lenten season, these practices of your people, of prayer, of giving, of fasting, We have heard your son Jesus warn us how insidious they can be, how easy it can be to fall into the trap of doing these things, to perform rather than doing these things to create space for you to transform us. And so as we approach your table this evening, we pray for your grace. We ask that these wafers and juice become a spiritual food, that you remind us constantly that it is only by your transforming power we are made new, that you would root out our shadow selves and shine the light of your truth on them, that we might be made new, that we might be more fully your people, that we would have a clearer sense at the end of this season of Lent what is next for us as your people, how you're calling us to be your image in this world. We offer these prayers and we approach your table this evening in the name of your son Jesus. Uh, I gotta say, it was amazing, as y'all were coming through the line, how many of you had, you know, extra cards for folks that you knew couldn't be here. I love that uh, that continues to be the heartbeat of Catalyst, is that we're a church for people that, that aren't even here. And, uh, and I think as, as we move into this season of Lent, that's going to be something that God is going to continue to reaffirm for us, is, is continuing to point us uh, to the people in our community and in our world that we know uh, are disconnected from God. And, and, and we're in many ways, we're singing that song uh, for them as well uh, in, in faith and in hope. Because if there's one thing we, we learned from our season of Epiphany, it's that God is always with us and always speaking to us. And so as you're leaving tonight, Catalyst, I want to send you with the assurance that as you do this spring cleaning of your spirit, as you slow down and attend, to, to the things in your life that need to be rearranged or, or gotten rid of or added as you're, as you're doing all of that all of that work over the season of Lent. Uh, be assured that God is, is there with you and speaking to you and calling you. Uh, we, can, we can trust that God is with us and we can trust that God is good and we can trust that as we respond to God, God is already with us and waiting for us and preparing good work for us. So go tonight confident in God's love and excited about what this next six weeks holds for you, for the person next to you, and for us as a church. Go in the grace and peace of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Happy Valentine's Day. Blessed Ash Wednesday. We'll see you Sunday.